Kroger, we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself. Because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Ready for the interview and if you get a cue live on the laptop, watch what I'm gonna do. Welcome to the show, let them know we got a point of view. Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real, that's the motto. Real talk, pronto, doctor, D, PhD, hit an intro. Hold up, wait, gotta be social, network, global, home for the locals. Gotta be social, network, global, home for the locals. I think they kick it off just a little bit about where do you see this at right now? What's the state of fitness with influencers and information, kind of a high level in your mind? I think it's a great question and it does need to be discussed. Mm -hmm. uh, influencers have they've got a lot of power over reaching a lot of people, which is a good thing because they are getting people moving. But obviously it's, uh, it's that what is underneath what they're offering. Mm. Now, what is the quality of what they're offering and can they be trusted when we're doing a workout from home ourselves on our own however on the flip side the challenge is for those of us that do have a formal education within the fitness industry how do we reach those people as well because it's easy to kind of sit back and go oh damn you know the influencers they've they've got hold of everyone and they're reaching them and they're getting them moving damn those influencers they're actually getting them off their chairs and yeah. and out there and being inspired so i can kind of see that what i would like is to see more of our trainers and more of our clubs in a way helping the industry grow so that we can have that presence as well on social media so that we can have that level of education there that people can trust. Yeah. I was actually just discussing this kind of on uh, the other day. It seems to be a common topic. You know, I think it's like, as you said, there's, there's good things getting people to move. And then, but there's other things is that, that humans don't often, at least our current version, I think of humans look underneath the hood too much about these things. So we see the beautiful people, we see the, the joyfulness, the happiness, every, every post is, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, it's beautiful, but there's, I don't think the public understands what's happening behind the scenes for that. We're not asking enough questions. The public isn't asking questions too much, I don't think, at least. And I, I think that that is key, is the questions that we're asking. Yeah. Uh, when we see, you know, six pack after six pack, yeah, yeah. don't see the meal they had the next day, <laughs> and the six packs gone, you know, <laughs> and, the, and the fact that they've actually been in calorie deficit for months yeah. beforehand, putting all this hard work in, but now they've got their 132 photographs to take <laughs> them through the season of Instagram, and and they still just scroll through and found someone else who, damn them, has a six pack yeah. that's better so that sort of comparison is not a great thing at all and yeah. 
information, the simple solutions. How many times have we seen the five best exercises for? And as soon as we see that, I'm like, well, there's, there isn't. There isn't a five <laughs> for your bum, sorry. There's not a five best exercises to get you out of experiencing pain, yeah. sorry. Um, but I think coming back to your point of questioning, that to me is key because even within the fitness industry and as educators, we need to hold our hands up and we need to keep questioning ourselves just because we're an educator, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be open to being questioned. Yes. And I think that that's really important because I've been in the industry for a long time mm -hmm. and I have been told on great authority, <laughs> according to my friend, you know, <laughs> uh, according to this guru that I should be doing this and that. Yeah. And actually it took me a very long time to get the confidence to be able to question those gurus yeah. and to question the educators. And yes. so I think if we can actually create an environment where we are all open to debate, we're all open to being questioned. Yes. Then we can start to move that forward. I agree. And I think on, on the flip side, while the questions we should ask influencers, as you said, the same thing, what are the questions the public should be asking of people like us who have a lot of education, have been pretty successful in the business? And one of the things I ask, like, what are we doing that we're not gaining better traction with people? And but because we we asked the question, well, why are people listening to these folks influence, but why should they listen to us also though, you know? Well, like you said, they offer a, a simple solution mm. and it's the RAS and the TAS and it's the, you know, yeah. get, get that. And we know that, that that's always been there, you know. It's always it, been there. It's always yeah. been there. It's not, yeah. I know it's more readily available but there's always been the story that's kind of got someone going and thinking, oh, I want to be like this person or I want to be yeah. like that person. Yeah. Um, so I, it, it is a challenge. It is definitely a challenge. But I would like to see more educators talking openly about how they were wrong, you know, mm. actually making themselves vulnerable and sharing that human side. Yeah. Um, People don't buy education and they don't buy things. They buy a story. They buy yes. into that person. And so I think as educators, we probably need to work harder at being the person that they want to get to know. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, I was also talking to someone the other day, and this was in a different industry. This is in concert photography, but it was kind of like, this desire to document oneself all the time. That seems to be what is a, a big part of influencer culture was just constant documentation. But I think that's also kind of what's hard for very educated fitness professionals is sometimes a desire not to do that. And not, there's a weird balancing act. Like I know I struggle with that. Like I like to do things socially on the internet, but I don't want my life out there either. Not because I have anything to hide. I just like, there's things I just, my life shouldn't be open for everyone to see. And sometimes I think 
what happens with influencer culture is like, it's the perception that life is, this is my life. And so I think it's, it's just, a, it's a weird dance. I know so many people on social media who actually don't want to be on there and they feel like they have to be, do it to get big or become viral, you know? Yeah. Um, my, my children don't want to be on social media. Interesting. They're back, you know, they, they're like, don't put me on there. I've, I've said, oh, come on, you know, it'd be great to get you on there. And, you know, people can see my daughter training or my yeah. son through lockdown. And they're like, no way, you know, <laughs> they don't want to be tagged in at all. So I think we might see the reverse of that as well as people yeah. wean themselves off it and they've kind of had enough. And, you know, they know that that's not the real world. Mm. So it is you know, different, but we have a lot of re reality TV here as well, yeah. like Love yeah. Island. Of um, course. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I mean, yeah. that's amazing because that is the essence of simple story. And I, I love Love Island <laughs> because, you know, where else do you get that where these gorgeous yeah, people yeah. come onto set and they are the people from social media that have never been knocked back in a nightclub. You know, they are the beautiful people. Yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden, the writers know exactly what they're doing. And they then bring on, you know, this, this other goddess or this right. other godlike figure. And, and all of a sudden, this person who has only ever experienced people looking at them, desiring them, and life being quite simple in that respect, are suddenly not back. And, yeah, and so yeah. they do that on purpose and they're really just manipulating us as the audience to go, this is the person that I didn't think I was because, hey, they're so beautiful. But then they see this more beautiful person coming <laughs> on. So now they go, oh, no, that is me. That is me. So now I can relate to this person. And in a way that's all they're doing and then creating story creating drama creating highs creating lows then they come off and they hit social media and get that following and so perhaps what we can do is start to think about how we relate to our audience and like you said keep certain things private yeah but also create a character for social media that is quite simple, that people can follow, but then shares information and gets people moving. The character part's interesting to me. Does, do you mean like, is this character your actual self or someone else that you're trying to be? I would say that it's elements of yourself, hmm. but find what it is that you know, you authentically believe in what's driving you, but then think of your own things that stand in the way, because mm, as right. humans, we've always got something that's the polar opposite, that is our hurdle to constantly get over uh, and keep it simple. I mean, if you look at something like Breaking Bad, I think Walter yeah, White yeah. has something like 13 different personas mm -hmm. in there. And that's too much for social media. Of course. <laughs> You need one strong characteristic and then a, an opposite because it's the opposite then that you can start to play off. 
uh, and this will help our audience engage with us because what the influencers do really well is they're consistent with their message mm-hmm. yeah this is me this is a six pack <laughs> <laughs> what i don't eat <laughs> this is yeah. my six <laughs> this is the tea that I eat <laughs> and I don't eat anything else. I just drink my yeah, tea. Right. Um, but if we can tap into that character characteristic conflict, then we become real within social media. We become vulnerable, but we are informative at the same time. Yeah. It's a fascinating conversation. It's, I have a lot of thoughts running through my head, but I want to go back to, you said, admitting that we're wrong, like educators mm-hmm. in business. I want to talk further about that. Let's dive deeper, admitting what that we were wrong about. Let's get deeper into that. Well, you know, uh, when you were speaking before and you said that we've been the master of shams for many, many Completely. years. <laughs> and we certainly have. <laughs> I mean, Let's face it, you know, a lot of our fitness industry was built around dead bodies. It was then built on competing, periodization to get rid of drugs out of our body. You know, there's a lot of things, uh, rub this part, rub that part, you know, (laughs) and and that's nothing new. Medicine started the same way, you know, uh, if I put Netflix on and I've put it on four times and it's rained every time I've put it on, now Netflix controls the weather. No, that's work quite like that and you know even in my journey 28 years or whatever um i have definitely done almost anything you could do wrong (laughs) i've done it um and i will still do things wrong again and and not because the science has changed because the science doesn't change that much it what changes is that ability to ask a question and to improve the question that you're asking. And so it really, it's always coming back to removing our ego and who's the client, what do they want? You know, with movement, I would say that a movement on its own or an exercise on its own is irrelevant, is absolutely useless if you're not thinking about the human being who it's designed for. Once you know who it's for, what their goal is, why their goal is important to them. So what if they don't achieve that goal? Once you start to understand the person that you're talking to, then your exercise programs have meaning and they have purpose. And so constantly going back to what is it they want and what's the best way of helping them achieve that? Not going, well, I've designed this product and uh, this is this great thing. And this is the solution for, oh, oh, yes, there needs to be a problem here. Uh, yeah. We need to have a tight, what's it, or rather. And then this can drill into it. Um, and it's got a little Lego piece at the end of it as well. And that can drill in and that will solve that problem. But that's not the problem. And so it's a clever solution for a problem that doesn't exist. Hmm. And so what we need to do is to keep going back to Who's our client? What's their goal? And what does the research, the balance of research, and as you rightly said, mm-hmm. not a cherry-picked paper that yeah. you know, confirms your own bias, uh, but that you're looking at hundreds of papers that you're, you're reading. You know, I always say that whatever your bias is, do read the complete opposite. Yes. 
you know, and, and we do have biases and, and it is hard to take those away, but we need to read the balance of quality research and then let that start yeah. to underpin our answers. You know, I'm not one of the clever ones that has an idea and goes, hey, I've got this brilliant idea and I'm going to go and test it. And then I'm going to get somebody else to retest it. You yeah, know, I, yeah. I, that's not me. Those PhDs, awesome. That Take my hat off to that. Um, but it doesn't mean that as educators, we can't be critical thinkers and we can't go away and go, right, question, what is it? Yeah then look at that balance and as you said you know start to look at the filter first of all we're going to get information from social media we're going to get information from youtube we're going to get it from um scientific blogs we're going to get it from scientists but we still need to question them we need to question yeah. what their uh, bias is and we then need to go and and ask the question and we need to look at the research i mean because I don't have that PhD and, you know, I, I, I would never have time to present or <laughs> train my clients if I couldn't get rid of the papers that weren't any good. So yeah. I'm quickly going, oh, okay, this was done on 12 rats. Irrelevant. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this one was done on cockroaches. Cool. I like it. I'm going to read it, but I'm probably going to put that down there. So yeah. I'm, I'm always looking at what's, my filter what's the level of research that i'm prepared to stand by yeah and i think as educators and anyone um mm -hmm. you know the level that you'll go by is really going to set your reputation and the one thing that a lot of influencers have is we know they talk absolute utter utter rubbish a lot of the time mm -hmm. and so with that it's kind of trustworthy you know, we know what we're going to expect. The danger for me is when someone quotes a really good paper and then they quote according to their experience or they call out to authority to their, their friend, their important friend. Because now what they've said is, I follow research, but actually in an environment that had no rigor of science to yeah. it whatsoever, uh, I used my evidence, which is what I saw. And that's great. That's still evidence. Right. But it's not the same evidence as the paper that was tested and the papers that you put against the balance of quality research. Yeah. And so I think that uh, creating that line, that trust, so I call it my line in my sand. And my original line was very poor. I just used to ask my dad, um, yeah. what do you think? And he would normally come out with something from the Daily Mail or the Sun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quite a trashy paper over here, but it was consistent. Oh, okay. <laughs> that consistency is a big part of it, I think. And I also wonder, like, what is the responsibility and the role of organizations like IDEA or any of these certifying organizations to um, use their power and media to lift up more credentialed people? Or to even say things like, yeah, we've been a part of an industry that kind of lies to people about stuff in the past, and we're trying to do better. What's the role of these organizations in this whole influencer culture? There are challenges. And I think we go back to the character characteristic conflicts. Because 
we're in business and this this is where the conflict lies correct because uh sometimes the people that pay well are the people that have a product to sell that may not necessarily be the one that when we look at the research is what we would use or or a technique so i'm not i'm not saying anything specific and so that's challenging because if you need to you know expand your business you need people to invest in your business but what i would like to see is definitely perhaps that opening up and that ability to debate get lots yeah. of people with lots of different thought processes in and so then we can start to say well you know what is it that underpins your opinion here and what is it that underpins your opinion um and be humble enough that if we're wrong, we change. Yeah. That's hard for people. People don't like, like admitting they're wrong. Like it's a, like a real difficult thing throughout the history of humans is admitting that we were not right about this. I mean, how many examples do you see of people actually admitting like publicly, I was wrong. We were wrong. And I mean, you don't see it that often, you know? No, I hate admitting I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> See? <laughs> um, and, you know, a, a real pivotal point for me was when I, I literally had been to lots of different educators, very fortunate in what I did to be able to be exposed to lots of different education companies. And one of the courses I did, I was really super excited about it because it, <laughs> it gave me this feeling of being a mini Jesus uh, all of a sudden I was fixing people people mm-hmm. coming to me like I can't move my arm and I, I do these things and then suddenly like whoa they got this great amount of range and um you know and all of a sudden they would tell people they would tell people and I had a waiting list and I, at the time I was using this little spoon because I was waiting for my actual technique uh tool to come along and I was spooning everyone in Wimbledon yeah. and life was good you know it was great And then I got a phone call from this company, Faster, and um, the founder of Faster said to me, oh, you know that course? We were wrong. And do you know what? It wasn't the fact that he said it was wrong. First of all, I kind of went, oh, that's another two grand down the drain. I'll just go and do the next course because I want to be ahead and, and learn. The worst thing was, is he said, no, no, I want you to come back on the course for free because we want to help you be the best. And it was our mistake. Uh, We didn't ask the right questions. But he said to me, you've been in the industry for a long time and you shouldn't trust me. And I want you to have the tools to question me. And nobody had ever said that to me before. Wow. And I would like to say that from that moment, I questioned him, but that would have been too easy or too hard, should I say. It was actually too hard because it meant that I had to let go of my gurus. It meant that, you know, I had to give up the time that I was watching Netflix and teach myself to look at research papers and, and ask questions and improve my critical thinking. I was an actress. So right. you know, 
my degree was dressing up and going out in the streets and that sounds wrong um, <laughs> you can't take that back joanne <laughs> oh no as a character as a character <laughs> as a character um and you know i mean it was really useful because i was aware of biomechanics i was aware of posture i was aware of i had to be someone so if i wanted to be really confident i would make my posture look confident and if i was um you know if i was shy i would create that body shape that matched it and so i was really in tune with mood and uh, being responsive to the person in front of me but the critical thinking no yeah. Uh, and it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy, but it was definitely the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. Actually, I think we have a critical thinking problem in our world at this point. You know, we are just a very headline based world. And we read something and we, we and, and now we, we tell people this will take three minutes to read. This will take seven minutes to read. Because we're like, well, you're probably not going to read this if we don't tell you it's short to read. Yep. And we also know you really don't have good digital research literacy. So we got to make this interesting in the headline so that you'll even think about clicking on it to even possibly look at it. And so they critically think about why are we trusting influencers? Why would we trust educated professionals? I think it always goes back. We're just not asking the questions at all with people. We're just like ingesting something and we're not asking what's inside, what's in the product. We're, t we're eating something that we have no clue what's in it all the time. And we're like, and it's, it's okay. You know, people go, it's okay. I like it. This, and it's also appealing to people's desire, especially yeah. online stuff to like, look good, feel good. I want your life. I want that type of situation. I want your money. I want this. Like, and I think sometimes people are really, some people are really great at pulling people in to that. They go, I know you want this. Don't you want this? You want this, you know? And I think we struggle sometimes with questioning that because this other thing kicks in for us to yeah, I do want that. I do want that. And you just won't question it, you know? Yeah. And so that is our challenge as educators, how we interject with that. And I think yeah. uh, that's where really story, I think, helps. And the story, too, is I, I've had a lot of scientists on here, too, is there needs to be a shift in my mind in scientists of any background, whether you're talking about uh, astronomy, exercise, uh, wildlife. Scientists often have this um, aesthetic issue or this presentation issue of kind of the stuffy scientist writing research papers, not relatable to people who are living daily lives, living in kind of the ivory tower of academia. I mean, I know I've been in it. And the, the academic environment I grew up in, I got my doctorate in, was filled with people who are not relatable to everyday people. They're just not. So this story is not, you talked about a story, the academic story is not relatable to most humans who have PhDs, higher education, but the story of trying to get six pack abs, you know, uh, trying to lose weight, whatever it is, is so relatable 
to most humans because the desire is relatable to a lot of humans, you know? And it's, it seems easier as it well. It does. You know? Um, and it, it interests me as well, the, the scientists that are absolutely smashing it on TikTok and you say three minutes for a read and they're actually like, <laughs> we're talking four seconds. You know, we're talking, <laughs> we're talking you've got to smash that topic in 15 seconds max. Yeah. You know, I think the average time is seven seconds. And That's crazy. There, you know, um, but there are scientists now that are doing well there and yeah. you can then go and follow them and you can then go and look at their YouTube channel and then you can go and check their research papers. Yeah. How many people will do that? I don't know. I don't know. I, but what does that say about us that we need stuff in seven seconds? You know, <laughs> like, or we have, like, what does it say about humans that we, we have to keep packaging this in shorter and shorter time spans and that it has to be put in such a way or else we just won't pay attention to it? You know, maybe that goes back to, you know, is there a danger? Is that tiger going to eat me? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, um, where's this all headed, Joanne? You know, like, I think about this a lot. And like, I feel like there's an end game here. And, and not, not like being over, over, but like, there's a transition game that I think may be happening. And I think your kids know it. And kids are younger. They sense it. Like you said, they say, this isn't real. This is not real life. It's the people your age, my age, and like who haven't gotten to it yet. They're like, oh yes, I mean, but I feel like the young, young people, they're like, this is bullshit. Like they're calling bullshit on it. They're like, we're not getting on this stuff. And I feel like that something's happening. I feel it with that, you know? Yeah. I think only time is gonna tell yeah. on that. But I think um, if we can help more certified trainers, yeah have that ability currently to have a following on social media yeah at least we're raising the standard and the content that yeah. is out there i think that would be a useful start and that's why i think like the large organizations it might be a good experiment to take you know people who may be really well credentialed or very educated and they're great at their job and try to lift those people up and say we're going to make you a larger influencer for lack of a better word in that to help kind of combat what's going on uh with that i just don't know that that like i don't see that happening though you know what i mean like i don't see the organizations like okay we're going to take these 10 people on this committee and we're going to make them like big time influencers because we need to combat this i don't know that they're interested in that you know and the like you said you know it's that it isn't real and think, you know some people do see through that and they yeah. will search harder than just looking at those yeah five exercises for glutes that annoys me <laughs> that clearly annoys you <laughs> i don't like it either by the way. there is no one best exercise for if that's the only thing you get from today <laughs> yeah there's no best no no it's it's crazy you know it's like i grew up in a time where it's like I don't know if you remember this, all the late night fitness infomercials and stuff. Yep. And it's all so ridiculous. 
It's really ridiculous. But for some reason, it's so it, it takes in this desire that people have to want to look better, feel better, and do anything to achieve a result. There's like the ethics be damned of it, you know, the carnage be damned. Whatever happens, happens. I need to look this way. I need to feel this way, you know, and, and we've promoted that in our as an industry. We have been a horrible uh, contributor to that for a long time. And I feel like we need to just we need to get rid of that element, you know. Yeah, I think there's still a lot of a lot of <laughs> need to stand up and go, you know what, that <laughs> is perhaps not the best way of going. Yeah. Ab cruncher. Do you remember the ab cruncher? I do remember the ab cruncher. Yes. Shake weight. Yep. How about the shake weight? <laughs> well, you, you, I I am seen just to so that I, I use the core momentum trainer, uh-huh. which is not shake weight. Yeah. Um, if people are trying to uh, throw an insult without reading <laughs> research on why I use it, they'll go, "Oh, that's you've got shake weight." I'm like, "You clearly never used it because the shake <laughs> is like this size um, and has nothing in it." Whereas the 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 core momentum trainer, it used to be called a core stick, but yeah. to be fair, um, a loading tool is a loading tool. And if you understand yeah. biomechanics yeah. and you understand the skill that you're trying to improve, sure. you can anything to load you can. it. But you know, what's um, weird is the, is the, it's the, how it's presented. I, I'm a big proponent of like how things are presented and yeah. the presentation is everything, how it's delivered to you. It's everything from how you grow up. How did your parents present X, Y, Z topic to you? How did, you know, your brother, sister present X, Y, Z? How did your professor, how did your spouse, whatever? And the fitness industry, I think you're right. If it's loaded and you can move it and you can use different planes of motion, fine. It's fine. You can use a milk jug. You can use a box. It doesn't matter. But when you sell, yeah, (laughs) but if you sell something that, you know, it looks like somebody's doing something weird, maybe <laughs> sexual. They like it. They, they're not stupid. They know that yeah. that appeals to people. And it's yeah. the presentation of yeah. things. And I think the fitness industry has a presentation problem a lot of the times. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, it's just reminded me of the, the thigh squeezers. Oh, well. yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. with, uh, wow, man, I can't remember the lady's name, but man, she, and, you know, people get in, they make a ton of money and they get out of it, you know, and then the next thing comes together. It's almost and like the fitness industry is a Ponzi scheme on some way, in many ways, you know. And I think, you know, it's not always about someone wanting to make a quick buck. Thigh master, by the way, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thigh master, that's the one. Thigh master, Suzanne Summers. <laughs> that's right, yeah. And so... You know, and, and I do believe that a lot of people do get into it because they want to help yeah. and they see people, you know, that maybe are suffering or aren't, yeah. aren't, you know, sort of comfortable in exercise or, you know, it's, it's foreign to them and they want to mm-hmm. make it easier. I believe that sometimes the, there is goodwill there, uh, just sometimes a little bit misguided. I mean, the, yeah. the core momentum trainer I was talking about, it took seven years to design yeah. And it took that long because they wanted to make sure that the lead pellets inside the core yeah. unit spun round to hit exactly the right point. Yeah. Um, and that was more for sort of physiotherapy world. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Like you said, you can apply any bit of loading. Yeah. And biomechanics. 
Now, why don't we have, like we have commercials out, you know, whether it's Peloton, whether it's Tonal, whether, I mean, you pick something. And I always think like, why isn't there a commercial that says ex- the exercise or getting started to move, move is, is hard. It's like, really, it's difficult. Like we understand there's a lot of obstacles in your way and biologically and anthropologically, what we're doing doesn't make a lot of sense when we look at that, our, our history. But we do need to take care of our bodies. Like there's no message about that. It's like the most beautiful people are always in a commercial. Peloton, always, it's always in the, like the nicest house you've ever seen <laughs> with all glass windows. Like I, I used to run a luxury club and, and all the houses looked like that. But most people don't have houses like that. You know, yeah. it's like the, it's the presentation. The messaging is like, you're beautiful. If you're beautiful, you have a lot of money. You know, you, you can have this <laughs> like you can and Christmas morning. You can wake up and do a Peloton workout. OK, no, most people aren't doing that, by the way. <laughs> like they ain't doing that. That's not realistic. You know, I like, like the weights on the top, though. Yeah, so <laughs> it's got a messaging problem. It's like that's not real life for like the majority of humans. It's yeah. real life for a very tiny segment of humans that already love exercise a lot. Yeah. And they're catering to that. But if you want to change the planet, the messaging has to change completely on that. But once you get into business and you're, you have shareholders and you, you, you know, businesses, like you said, we're in business. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and because the, those that are marketing the business, they want you to nail it down to a simple product, to That's a brand, right. you know, and so that doesn't have room for the questioning all the time. Mm. Not so easy to wrap up, bottle and sell. It's yes. not as sexy as you, as you said. Yeah. I think it's interesting when you talk about um, getting people to exercise and, you know, it's hard, uh, but in the same light, I do believe you can make it fun yeah uh, no it's just like the starting is hard for people it's like hey yeah. getting started is hard anything i mean you may want to like start a puzzle and you're like the puzzle is just sitting in a corner forever <laughs> you know you're like unopened starting anything is hard just the acknowledgement of like starting something even like this is hard to do you know like it's okay to admit that you know yeah and i think uh you know the training session when you go for your very first training session from the prospect of the personal trainer, if you can make that training session one that makes someone feel fantastic and they don't quite know why, but you've created an emotional journey. Emotion, yes. Yeah, they come out like they've just been to the cinema and they go, do you know what? I expected this, that and that. I felt great. And then I feel brilliant the next day or two days later, but that's an art. You know, it's an that art. the trainer to know the person in front of them, to make sure they're matching how they want to feel in the session through energy systems, how they want to feel after that session, the biomechanics that they choose, sure. the exercises, the movement, you know, with the selection of exercise in, in the right order. That's all going to create the experience. And it's the experience that's going to bring them back. It's totally the experience. And I think this plays as we kind of get towards the end here, I just will throw this in like the acting aspect in your background. I often think my own personal opinion is uh, the exercise, the order, the progression to everything, that's very important. 
but it's the performance, the actual person's performance as a human in the session. That's where often a lot of trainers have difficulty. They don't often see it as like, this is a performance you're having. It's like, well, I'm good at the exercise. Yeah, but if you're good at the exercise, but you're not good at the actual intrapersonal performance with another human, it almost is irrelevant in many ways, you know? Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I do improv and I do it every yeah. week and I do it because it keeps me sharp. That's right. On listening and responding yes. to someone. And those sorts of skills with a client are essential. Yes. And, you know, they might have a challenge. They, everybody has a different area that's their challenge. And so when they come in, it's almost like it is the story because you're setting the scene. Yes. You're, you're giving them the anticipation for the workout. You know, you make them feel good. You give them, you give them what they want. And then it's like any good movie, Elle at the beginning of Legally Blonde, she's happy, she's Queen Bee, she's got a boyfriend, and then he dumps her and she's off to Harvard. And so it's at that point that you have to slam them. And, and, and that's when you create that debate. And that's when we get to use our skills as trainers at changing the experience. So yeah, they might yeah. well be they might well be tired, you know, they might well be, um, you know, but you get to change that experience because mm -hmm. you can help their cognition. You can help the action they, they take from that emotion. And then, you know, you, you take them out at the end of that and you replay what they did at the beginning and they're so yeah. much better, you know, and they, and at the end of the day, they'll judge us. They will, they will judge us on how we made them feel. Yes. I mean, that's a great way to end it. That's true. That's so true. Well, Joanne, what a good talk about a variety of things and in the business. I mean, I don't, every once in a while, I'd like to have this big talk about, about our industry. And it's good. I feel like it's good that we have looked at kind of both sides of the equation. And, and often do you question your own self? People like us, we're questioning us. Like, what are we doing? Why are we, yep. you know? And I think that's positive. And hopefully it's a good um, example to others. So thank you, Joanne. It's evening time where you're thank at. Morning. I still have more work to do. I still have more work to do. You got something else to do too. I know you were just saying. I so. have. Yes, it's been lovely to chat. Thank you yes. for having me on. You got it. We'll be in touch, Joanne. All right. Okay, take care. Bye. Right, bye. Why does Comcast Business power more businesses than any other provider? It has technology solutions that put you ahead, like the fastest reliable network and serious savings. Whether your small business is starting or growing, you need Comcast Business. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Get internet security and voice for just $40 per month for 12 months when you add mobile. Ends 11-6-2022. Restrictions apply. Requires Ecobill and Autopay. New Comcast Business, 250 megabit per second internet. Security edge and one voice line customers only. Two-year agreement required. Equipment taxes and other fees extra and subject to change.